0: Hi, Gauri here. We've collected the best insights from the first 20 Knowledge Base Ninjas episodes into a clear and concise ebook. Simply send a blank email to ninja at bcast.email. That's ninja at bcast.email and it will be sent right back to you. Thank you.
1: Welcome to the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. Where Gallery Ram Kumar of Document 360 finds the best SaaS self-service knowledge bases in the world and then interviews their creators. Let's get started with today's episode.
0: Good day everyone. Our guest today is Andrew Etter, Senior Technical Writer at Amazon Web Services. Welcome Andrew to the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you for having me.
0: Super. Thank you, Andrew. And uh, please explain a little bit more about yourself and how did you initially got into documentation?
1: Sure. I um, work on the Elasticsearch-based documentation over at Amazon Web Services. And I don't know, I've I've probably been in the software industry for 12 or 13 years now. Uh, In terms of how I initially got into documentation, it was really just dumb luck. Uh, I had... I wanted to move to the Bay Area, and I was basically dropping resumes out of an airplane trying to get hired at a software company up here. And I finally got one interview with one company after, I don't know, maybe 50 or 60 job applications. And went ahead and interviewed for the position, and they redirected me. They said, uh, you know, a support role we think might be a good fit for you, but technical writing we think is a better fit. Would you like to interview for that position instead? And at that point, I was already traveling a lot for work, and I was, I was pretty anxious to travel a little bit less and also do something a little bit more scalable. At the time, I was teaching a lot of classes, and documentation, as we know, scales endlessly and can help you know millions of people without you having to put in any additional effort. Uh, so it sounded really, really appealing, and I said, yeah, let's give it a shot. And uh, many years have passed, and I still love it.
0: Super. So can I just ask you, how many years have you been um, in this uh, field?
1: Oh, gosh, I think I think it's probably about uh, maybe seven or eight years now as a technical writer.
0: Fantastic. So that's that's brilliant, Andrew. So during all these years of um, uh, you being into technical writing, what's your documentation process at um, maybe Amazon Web Services? Let's take that. And uh, who is normally involved in such processes?
1: Yeah, it's pretty free form. Um, Whenever a feature reaches a testable state and we know that it's going to have some impact on the documentation when it's eventually released, um, the developers typically reach out to me with a request saying, um, hey, the launch date is in six weeks. Um, Here's the existing content that we've written in order to get this feature approved. Um, And maybe they'll give me a quick demo or something. Um, But ultimately, what my team and I need in order to produce documentation is uh, something to test. And so that can be the developers have set up a test server for us to hit, or they can actually, you know, just, just give us the binary or something and say, go ahead and install this. Um, and so the process it very much revolves around us doing a ton and ton of testing to figure out exactly how something works, drafting the content, and then getting some number of reviews from the engineering team to make sure that we didn't get anything wrong, <laughs> Um, product managers are super duper helpful in clarifying use cases often for us. So where if something comes across our desks and we're not entirely sure how our user is going to use it, uh, we can typically get with the product management team and get some clarity there and some insight and be able to focus the documentation more accurately. Um, and then after the documentation is out the door. We try to keep a really close eye on metrics and reader feedback to see if we got anything wrong or if users are finding anything confusing. Uh, so ultimately, I think we're pushing changes to the documentation almost every day. Um, and the big players in that process are the development team, the product team, and also support, of course, super helpful.
0: Mm-hmm. Super, that's great. So what are the benefits of open sourcing your content, Andrew?
1: That's a great question. Um, there's really no downside in my mind. Um, and I know it, it feels like a, like a strange thing to a whole lot of organizations to say, but we're working so hard on this. Why would we just make it available to the world for free? Um, and the reality is it's, it's already available to the world for free. You're publishing it on a website and they can look at it and read it there. Um, So why not put the source files out there as well? Uh, Ultimately, when you do that, users get a greater sense of trust in the documentation because they can see you working on it. They can have a direct relationship with you as the writer. um, And they're able to make contributions. They're able to directly interact with it and improve it. Um, For example, for the uh, AWS documentation, I get some number of bug reports. But for the open source content that I work on, I still get bug reports, but about half the time I actually get a fix for that bug that I can review and merge with generally just a couple of clicks. Um, and so it's it's this huge shift in terms of how you view your relationship with your readers as we're all on this together. We should uh, you know we should do our best to improve this and get it to the best state possible, or just readers report the problems and I fix them. Open source has a real inclusivity that I just love uh, where the tools have to be such that anybody in the world can contribute, uh, not just, I don't know, AWS employees who have a license for a thousand dollar software application.
0: Mm -hmm. Super. So how do you manage your documentation workflow?
1: Yeah, I think some of the teams at AWS have a really complex ticketing system where, um, They say, like, uh, you you need to get this in eight weeks before uh, the feature is due to go out, and I need these 14 details. Um, But I use a really lightweight Kanban board and essentially just move tasks from left to right. And so the stages in that that board are backlog. These are things that uh, I know need to go out relatively soon, uh, but I have not started on yet. There's in-progress, engineering review, editorial review, and then finally out the door. Um, and I'm not 100% sure this process is going to scale as the team grows. Currently, my team is quite small. Uh, but for now, it's it's working really, really well.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice to know, Andrew. So what are the important factors you consider when creating documentation?
1: I would say probably the, the most important, maybe let's go with maybe three. Mm-hmm. Um, the the first big one is assume that users are smart and will figure things out if they have the critical information. And so when I'm writing content, one of the big things for me is to try and minimize user surprise, where if I'm testing something and something surprised me or confused me, I always want to document that right up front. We consider that like a gotcha, where um, you know if you... If you do this and this, you'll get yourself into a bad state. And so we absolutely need to document that. Um, One of the other ones is limitations as well, or another one that that minimizes user surprise really well, is to say you can only have, uh, I don't know, um, 200 items per page, or you can only upload 400 documents. Um, The scale for this system is really not designed to ingest more than about, I don't know, 3 million documents a second or, or something like that to let people know exactly what they're getting. Rather than having them approach a product, think it fits their needs, and then they bump up against the ceiling the moment they try to use it to do something real. Um, Probably number two for important factors, uh, in documentation, we typically have this structure of conceptual introduction, some process of how to do something, and then finally an example. And in my mind, we've got that inverted. We have it backwards, where we really should be leading off with the example Um, If there's example code, give it right up front and explain it. Um, If there's an example use case, use that to frame the documentation. Don't stick that at the very bottom of your topic. Um, And then finally, uh, this is one where I understand technical writers being smart, well-intentioned people, and they really want to share their knowledge, um, but don't go into unnecessary detail on related subject matter. Um, This is where, links are just oh so critical, where instead of bogging the content down with several paragraphs about um, what a REST API is, um, you can just say it's a REST API and then provide a link for the people who don't know what the heck that is.
0: Super. That's great to know, Andrew. Um, So how do you uh, report on your documentation and who do you report to?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I, I work at a huge company, so it's, it's bosses on bosses on bosses. Um, but in general, uh, the case that I, I need to make to these bosses is a mix of qualitative and quantitative. Um, and so that's, that's numbers and then just my own personal opinion. Um, measuring the quality of the documentation and then convincing other people around your organization that you are indeed generating value That's maybe the fundamental question in documentation today. And I don't know that anybody has a really great answer to that. Um, Mine is generally to bounce metrics off of comparable metrics. So, for example, if a feature is getting a ton of usage, and that would be a product metric, the feature is getting lots of usage. Um, And then I know that in my documentation, I'm getting a ton of page views. So now we're looking at a documentation metric versus a product metric. And then finally, um, let's say the support team isn't getting very many tickets on it at all. So now we're comparing three metrics, one from the product area, one from documentation, and one from support. And to me, in tandem, those three facts indicate that the documentation is probably fine. It's probably doing a pretty good job. Um, But likely, things are not that straightforward. And maybe I have to do a little bit of digging because uh, support is getting a ton of tickets, but I'm not getting a ton of page views. Or maybe a feature is getting very, very little usage um, and nobody's contacting support about it. And so I have to figure out, is this a documentation problem, a product problem? Can nobody find the feature? Is it a discoverability issue? Is the content weak? Um, And so metrics, in a lot of ways, give me fodder for reporting up to management to say, uh, I think I'm doing a good job here. I think I'm doing a bad job here. Um, but it also acts as something of a treasure map to help me dig a little bit deeper into these questions and figure out where I can improve the content. Um, The second part there is is the subjective part of the equation, uh, which is a little bit more straightforward, I guess. It's just, am am I proud of it? Does it cover the sort of things that I expect documentation on this subject should cover? Does it read with an engaging voice? Is the sample code really well commented and easy to understand? Is it example-driven or is there an example just kind of tacked on at the bottom? Is there a really solid list of gotchas? Um, maybe, is, it, is the content also uh, free of grammar issues and has it been localized properly? Mm-hmm.
0: Great, great. Um, so do you, have you noticed any kind of uh, reduction in your workload uh, or, or in your team's workload since introducing quality documentation?
1: I, I wish that were the case, but unfortunately, I think it's, I think it's been the opposite. Um, the engineering team and the product team in my organization is just absolutely growing like crazy. And so if we had stayed at the exact same headcount, uh, I guess, I guess maybe I, I would likely see a reduction in workload just because the content would be higher quality. Um, but as is, I think, I think we have more work than ever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think the team has maybe doubled or tripled in size since I joined AWS uh, a few years ago. Um, And thankfully, the uh, number of writers has also doubled or tripled in size.
0: Super. (laughs) So I think it's gone the opposite way then for you. (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, So um, uh, is Amazon Web Services currently generating any organic search traffic from your knowledge base?
1: Definitely. Yeah. I think that's the majority of our traffic. And I want to say that's safe to say, um, uh, yeah, it makes the job super gratifying to know that people, um, didn't even have to navigate to the AWS site and like, you know, click 14 times to find my particular guide. Um, that we do have a a whole lot of people who literally just go to Google or they go to Bing or, or DuckDuckGo and they, they punch in, um, you know, my service and a question and they're able to get to the proper page and find what they're looking for.
0: Mm-hmm. Super. That's great to hear, Andrew. So I think we are now ready to go to our rapid fire round. Um oh, exciting. Who, <laughs> great. So who have you learned the most about documentation from in your career? So I think I'm taking you back eight years ago to start with maybe.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Um yeah, when I first started, I, one of the first things that I did at my prior company was an investigation of tools um, because we were, we were aware that the tools we were using were uh, suboptimal and maybe even a little bit archaic. Um, and so we were looking into uh, any number of uh, solutions there. And I was trying to be very fair and objective and and kind of balanced in my assessment of tool X versus tool Y. And I had this big feature grid that I was going to present to the team. Um, And then I went and I talked to this one developer named Mike and he just looked at me like I was crazy. And um, he said, why are you not just choosing, um, you know, lightweight markup, storing everything in Git and generating a static site, one of these, with one of these many tools. And I, I said, well, you know, those, those tools don't have cross-references or maybe they have, um, you know, isn't there going to be a learning curve with this or this? And I was trying to, you know, again, go back to my huge table of features and say, but it doesn't check these A boxes. Um, and it was such a no-brainer for him that what mattered most was the ability for everybody around the company and really everybody around the world to be able to contribute to this documentation. And so we should be using tools that were super friendly for developers and everybody else to contribute. We shouldn't be, um, you know, buying these expensive applications and doing these weird transforms and writing an XML. Um, and that was really just kind of a lightning bolt moment for me. That I'd been agonizing over this. I'd been <laughs> really uh, doing this crazy amount of research, and from his perspective, there was no decision at all. You should obviously do this, um, and so ultimately, that developer mentality is one that I've really embraced, um, and which is that people should be able to contribute using whatever tools they want, any text editor on any operating system. We should bias towards open source wherever possible use lightweight markup, and anything of value, long-term value, uh, should go into source control. So why would you not store your documentation in Git? Uh, so, yeah, it was, a real, it was a real eye-opener for me, and uh, I, I think he still informs my decisions to this day.
0: Super. So can you share a documentation-related resource you have consumed recently?
1: Oh, gosh, um, <laughs> I really, I think, I think along with the rest of the technical writing world, uh, I really love Tom Johnson's blog. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd rather be writing. Uh, Tom's a coworker of mine, and I've probably bumped into him, uh, at like, I don't know, four or five different uh, conferences. Um, and so yeah, if you if you haven't checked it out, it's a delightful blog, I highly recommend it. And Tom is maybe one of the nicest people you'll ever meet
0: yeah so did you did you hear to his podcast uh he did uh come as a guest to a podcast a uh, few months ago
1: i noticed yeah i listened to it i loved it, and i hope i hope you felt the same way that you weren't like oh tom's a huge jerk
0: <laughs> no he was absolutely fun to uh, have him on the episodes yeah <laughs> and many much. lot of people refer his uh blogs yeah
1: yeah absolutely
0: fantastic great so let me come to this question. What is the one piece of documentation-related advice you would give to your 20-year-old self?
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, my 20-year-old self was uh, a real pain in the neck, I would say. So I don't think he would have listened. Um, yeah, the big, the big thing there, it goes back to, I think, everything else I've talked about today, uh, which is that inclusivity. Um, As you are writing, as you are selecting tools, uh, as you're putting your content out in the world, uh, always be thinking about ways that you can make this a friendly environment. Um, So that includes using tools that are ideally free and open source and that everybody can use, posting your content in such a way that you are asking for contributions, not just saying, yeah, you can if you want. Um, and then in your content itself, not using gendered language or um, you know anything that's going to make uh, people of particular um, you know geolocality feel uncomfortable or confused, um, and and always be thinking about ways that you can make the documentation a super welcoming place.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you for that uh, Andrew. So do you have anything else to add uh, to our audience today before we finish off with this uh, series?
1: No, I don't think so. This was great fun. I really uh, really appreciate being uh, being invited on.
0: Fantastic. So it was a pleasure having you on this uh, uh, on this podcast and uh, you have shared some of your unique experiences and it's great to know that uh, you you've been in this documentation field for Uh, over eight years and um, yeah great to have you again and have a good day
1: thank you so much you too
0: thank you atro take care bye-bye
1: thanks for listening to today's episode of the knowledge-based ninjas podcast please head to itunes rate and provide honest feedback on the podcast see you next week